Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Uh, really thankful to have this opportunity today, and I just want to begin by showing you a picture of something that I remember as a, uh, as a child. So let's see if we can pull up this first picture. All right, so this picture, I wonder if you, have you ever heard of an atlas? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of an atlas. Anybody? An atlas? All right, so this is an atlas, uh, a file from 1989, an atlas. And why I'm showing you this is this was something we looked forward to as as kids in our house, right? So every year, every other year or so, our family would take a trip from Taos, New Mexico, which is right here. This is where I'm born and raised, Taos, New Mexico. And we would drive to Saginaw, Michigan, about a 32, 3300 mile round trip kind of thing. And, uh, and just so you know, point of reference, here is where we are this morning. See the big heart? This is where we're at, the Twin Cities. All right. So northern New Mexico to Saginaw, Michigan. Here's what I remember about this journey. My dad would sit at the table, the kitchen table, and a few days before we would leave, and he would sort of map out um, our, our journey, right? It's a lot different than traveling. How many of you remember traveling like this at all, right? Now you just kind of GPS it, and it just shows you where to go and what bridges and what tolls and accidents. Well, that's not how it was, and I remember my dad you know, being diligent and kind of mapping out how we were going to go. And he knew that somewhere around halfway point, he would call the Red Roof Inn and get a room for the night. And so we had to get to this place by a certain time. And there was no such thing as Hotels.com. And you find the best price at the, at the right moment. Everything was planned out. Every part of this journey was planned out. And matter of fact, I would say uh, that my dad, in order for us to get to our destination on time, he knew that he would have to kind of have all the details um, in order, right? And, and, and if you're wondering how we did this trip, well, we did this trip by, by boat, actually, by boat. That's right. <laughs> That's how we traveled 1988 Oldsmobile. Dad, I know you're watching this morning, and I remember this bad boy, and you uh, shined up the tires and got it all True story, that's what our family had, 1988 Oldsmobile. How many of y'all had an Oldsmobile like this? You did? Awesome. This is how we would travel. This is how we would travel, and it was always a journey. Some of the things I remember about traveling, my mom would bring a cooler and sandwiches and drinks. There was no such thing as, like, every gas station. You can go in there and pick something. Also, you could take your seatbelt off as long as you were laying down. That's a good rule, right? So I was always laying down because I didn't want to wear my seatbelt. But we didn't have Switches or Nintendo Game Boys or any electronics. We would take coloring books or our playing cards or, or whatever uh, and enjoy that long, 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 um, the long trip. Nowadays, this is sort of how we get around. So this is a really busy airport. And, and for those of you who like fun facts, Atlanta, the busiest airport in America this year, 140. 104 million travelers through Atlanta just this past year. And during the Christmas season, we see that 
traveling is very, very busy, and this is very familiar to us. I'm always kind of taken back that how so many people can be in one location and in just a few hours just kind of be all over the world, right? Especially all over the country. Many of you travel often, you know, in just three hours from St. Paul, you can be in New York, you can be in Seattle, you can be in Albuquerque, you can be in San Diego, you can be in Santa Fe, you can go to Miami, you can go to Taos, all these beautiful destinations that you can arrive in in just a few hours, right? But, but something about the airport always kind of catches me. And that is in, in a terminal, you kind of look down a terminal's leg and you just see all these signs with the name of the city, of the destination, right? And so as a traveler, we have a job. Our job is to, first of all, get through security on time, to find the proper gate to get to the right destination, right? That's your job. And no one, no one meets you at the door and walks you through this whole process and sees you off, right? You've got to do this by yourself. You have to know where you're going. You have to get there on time. You have to find the right gate. You have to do the checking in. You've got to do all that by yourself. Uh, and, and when it's busy, it can be a little overwhelming, right? It can be, this, this, this looks overwhelming. It, it's so frustrating to me when everybody seems to be going to the same place you're going to, like to the same stall in the restroom, to the same seat at the gate. They want the same water bottle you want. Like this, this, this is overwhelming. This causes me anxiety. If you want to get to where you want to go, you have to be very intentional when you're at the airport. Every one of these gates are indicators of where the plane is going. And when it's time for the plane to actually go, it leaves with or without you. And today we want to spend a little bit of time on this idea of if we want to get somewhere desirable, if we want to grow spiritually, if you want to have a better year in 2022 than you did in 2021, it's not going to happen on accident. You're just not going to stumble upon spiritual growth. You're just not going to learn more about your Bible accidentally. You're just not going to learn more about God accidentally. Those things don't just happen. As a matter of fact, if you want to experience spiritual growth, if you want to learn more about your Bible, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to strengthen the skill set and the gifts that God has given to you, those things are possible, but they are very much intentional. They will happen because you are intentionally working on those uh, on those things. Here's what culture says. Culture says that in the world that we live in today, all religions lead to God. They, culture says you only live once. So just go out and pursue happiness. As a matter of fact, culture says now, just be happy. Just do whatever you have to do to be happy, right? We see this surge now in culture where you can have shared marriage. You can have shared friendship. You can just kind of do a little bit of this and a little bit of that as long as you are happy, right? Culture says drink a little bit more, sniff a little bit more, inject a little bit more, subscribe to this, go and upgrade this like culture, you know, go back to that leg in the terminal again. Uh, and just see the, the, the sources 
all the destinations that culture has to offer. Just all these things fighting for your attention. Have you ever been through a food court on a, on a slow day and everyone's out on the edge of their thing and they're offering you free samples? Have you ever done that? And they're like, try my chicken, try my chicken. And this one's like, try the corn on the cob, try the corn. And this one's like, do you want a piece of quesadilla? And they're all wanting you to, to come and, and buy their food. That's kind of like what culture does for us. That, that's kind of like how they try to appeal to you, right? Culture points us in all these different um, directions. But, but here's what we know to be true that truly there is really only one true source of life. There's only one true source of life. And we know that that source of life are the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. The Bible is the only source of life, the living truth. It is the only living truth. Truth, And so the question that I have for you today is, what does God have to say about your life? What does God say about your life? Today, we're going to learn a few things. We're going to learn how just a few minor adjustments can bring some major improvements to our spiritual life. And I think that uh, I'll show you a statistic here shortly um, that will prove to you that we are absolutely desperate for change in the church. Like, like never before. It is time for us to be connected to God's living word. And so I'm going to invite you to find in your Bible Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. One verse today, verse 12. And as you find that, stand to your feet as is our tradition here at Cedar Valley Church. And for those new, we don't do this every time we read a passage, but we do this on our primary text just because we want to give reverence to God, acknowledging that this is The Word of God. And if you're pulling this up digitally, I'll be reading from uh, the NLT uh, translation. So I'll give you a few uh, few minutes. Hebrews 4.12. And we can go old school. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Hebrews 4.12. It says this. Why don't you read it with me? For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your living word. Thank you for your active word. Thank you for your powerful word. Thank you, God, that this this. This holy book that we hold in our hands is a lamp to our feet. And and, and God, we thank you that you meet us in your word. We thank you that that, uh, it is alive. We thank you, God, that it is the authority of our life. We thank you for the gift of your word to our life, to this church. Please be with us during this time. Open our ears to hear what it is you have to say. Open our hearts, Lord. May our hearts be pliable in your hands. Today, Lord, meet us at our point of need. Uh, There are many sitting uh, in this room today watching online who maybe aren't having a good day, good season. I just pray that today you would speak directly to our hearts in such a beautiful way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You uh, You may be seated. 
I told you I was going to show you a graph, and let me <clears throat> take a moment and do that. I want you to see this graph. Uh, I don't know how much I actually agree with this graph. I do trust Barna. Uh, the Barna Group did a study, and they found uh, within American adults that uh, this percentage of them read the Bible at least once a week. So in 1991, American adults told Barna that they read the Bible at least once a week. In 2009, the percentage increased from 45 to 46 percent of American adults uh, that said they read the Bible at least once a week. Today, 2021, that statistic is now 36.5 percent of Americans uh, who say they read the Bible at least once a week. And I don't know how trusted that would be. <clears throat> I wonder if somebody came to me and asked if I work out, and I said yes, if I would add to the statistic as an American who works out. I think that's kind of like how this statistic really is. Like, I just think this is really generous, to be honest. And I think you'd agree with me that the church is now plagued with biblical illiteracy, right? We just do not know the word, which is bizarre because we have more access to the word in just moments than ever before, yet we are so disconnected from the word of God. And, I, and so I just, you know, don't lift your hands, but I just wonder if, if this question was asked to you, what your response would be as not just an American adult, but as a follower of Christ, as a regular church attendee, do you read your Bible at least once a week? Like, not, not, not the little loaf of bread that sits on your dinner table and you pluck one out and you read it just like you do a cookie at the Chinese restaurant. Like, you just pull out the verse, like, this is my verse for today. Like, no, do you have, like, an active relationship with, your, with the Word of God? Like, do you have a destination? Do you have a plan in place? Just like I, I showed you the, the picture of the atlas, like, do you have a desired growth plan? Like, do you have a, like, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do this year. This is how I want to grow in my relationship with God. This is how I want to engage with my word this year. What would be the answer to that question if maybe you um, were asked um, um, that? So, so here, here's the question that, that maybe you're already asking. What's the big deal with reading the Bible? That's a fair question, especially if you're 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old. Like, what's the big deal about reading the Bible? I mean, there's a lot of good books. There's a lot of good books out there. I mean, there are libraries filled with books. There are, there are home offices filled with books. We know that the difference with, with the book that we're talking about today, the Bible, is that this book is living, right? This book is alive. But you might be asking, what's the big deal about about reading the Bible. Maybe you think to yourself, um, man, how can such an old book be relevant to my life today? How can such an old book, 3,400 years old, how can a book 3,400 years old be so relevant to my life today? Well, because it's alive. It was alive then, but it's alive now, right? So let's look into... Uh, into this verse because we really hope to inspire you 
to leave today, like the bullseye goal today is that you would leave today with this idea of that is a spiritual discipline. Like that is reading the word of God is going to become a high priority for me. Like that's the bullseye of today's message is that you would leave with this idea. I am going to do a better job engaging with the word of God, like learning the word of God, meeting God in his word. So let's, let's just start with our passage for the word of God. And around here we say context is everything, right? Context is everything. So, so if I was uh, a recipient of this uh, in context, the book of Hebrews was, it's, it's, an, it's a New Testament book and it was written right, you know, in the middle of, of the books of the New Testament. So, so by the time they would have read this, <clears throat> there would have been half the books of the New Testament already written. Uh, they did not have it in this kind of form. There, there wasn't a Bible bookstore. Any of y'all remember a Bible bookstore? There wasn't a Bible bookstore to go and kind of find the right colored leather book that you had or the right study Bible. They sure didn't have the U. I don't think the U version was out yet when the Hebrew uh, letter was 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 written. So so it wasn't available like it is now. Maybe every church I asked Neil, what do you think? Like, how do you think followers of Christ in context had access to the word of God? Like what? Maybe every church had uh, maybe every church had some, you know, someone would, would get the, the, the original and, and make a copy for their church and they would gather daily and they would come and they would read the word of God. Um, so in context, yeah, so, so the Christians, the Hebrew Christians who, who, who would be reading this today, um, they, they, would, they would listen to God's word. It was, it was God's written word. It was God's spoken word. So when the writer says for the word of God, they would know that it was all, all the, the writing of the prophets of the Old Testament, which had all been written by this time. And, and a few of the gospels had been written by this time. And, and maybe they had had the privilege of now hearing, uh, of now hearing the word, uh, hearing the word of God. And maybe they had the privilege of reading the word. Um, of God, right? So the word of God, God's word, that is where we meet with God in his word. I, I learned as a young child that we speak to God with our words and God speaks to us through his word. Did you, did you learn that as a young child? We believe that this is the authority of God without error. This is the inspired word of God. Every single letter in this book is the inspired word of God. God meets us in his word. The Holy Spirit works through his word to touch our lives. The verse continues, for the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. Another word, another translation says, the word of God is active. It is alive. It breathes life. It gives Life. The word of God is alive. God reaches out to the reader. God, you know, God calls, calls people to life through his word. A lot of times people say, man, the preacher, man, he brought that word to life. That is not true. The word brought life to the preacher. The word of God is alive. The word of God is active. That's the difference. 
with our book from all other books is that this book is living. It is life-changing. It is transformative. Big Christian word, transformative. It continues to transform us. It's not a one and done with God's word. It continues to change us. It continues to look within us. His, Lord, his word is alive. The verse continues, for the word of God is alive and powerful. So powerful that it can seize the conscience of a sinner. Take hold of the conscience of a sinner. So powerful that it can cut to the depths of our hearts. So powerful that it can rip apart, rip, pull down strongholds. If I would have been reading or listening to this in context, I would have thought, I just read about when Jesus spoke Blind eyes were open. A dead man came back to life. Deaf ears were open. His word is powerful, all powerful. Matchless power is the word of God. So powerful that it can also comfort the soul. It can bind up wounds. The word of God is alive. The word of God is Powerful. The word of God is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Who wants some? Anybody? The word of God sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. What a metaphor likening this to uh, to a knife, a sword. The word of God reveals who we really are. The word of God discerns our thoughts and motives. The word of God penetrates to the depths of our hearts, isn't it? That almost was going to sound like Alana Morset. Isn't it ironic? That the word this morning spoken in church lines up with exactly what the message is today. That he is searching. He's a searchlight. I've never heard the word searchlight. I like that word. He, you know, he's a searchlight. He uses a two-edged sword, the sharpest of any sharp two-edged. He uses this to, to, to get down into the depths of our heart. Penetrates into the depths of our heart. The word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. You ever hear somebody say to a preacher, did my wife give you an update on where I was in my life? Who told you my story? Who told you what I was dealing with? It's like you read my mail this morning. My friends, it's not the gifting of the preacher. It is the sharpness of the word of God. It is the living, active power of the word of God. It is God who knows your story, not the preacher. It is God who knows your struggle, not the preacher. It is God who knows your pain, not the preacher. It is God who knows where you're at. It is God who knows your thoughts. It is God who knows your motives. It is God calling you to life. 
It is God breathing life into your lungs. It is God pursuing you. It ain't a man. It is God. It is his word because his word is alive and active and powerful. If you're going to clap, clap like you mean it. That's a Vikings clap. You ain't clapping for me. We're clapping for his word. We're clapping for God because we recognize how powerful he is. The Bible goes on to say, cutting between soul and spirit. You ever seen a, a chef with some serious knife skills? He just kind of lays that fish there and just begins to fillet that thing. It's an art of, it's a, it's an art of, it's a work of beauty. It's an art how they carve that thing up. You wouldn't want to eat a fish after I fillet. You choking on bones for sure. Oops, my bad. But man, the work of art of a chef filleting through a fish. That's exactly what God does as we, as we read the word of God. He cuts between soul and spirit. Like, like the soul and spirit to me is me to God and me to me. My spiritual life and then my emotional life. Like, like my life here. And God has this way of just filleting through the fluff. He has a way of just kind of filleting through the issues of my life. The Bible goes on to say, between joint and marrow. God has a way of cutting through joint and marrow. We see in this, this pursuit of sanctification, which is a word that really just means holiness, like this pursuit of holiness. Listen, God doesn't just do a work in your heart once and you're good to go. Every time you open up the word of God, God is doing a work in you. Every time you open up the word of God, God is doing a work in you. He is cutting between joint and marrow. He is cutting away sin in your life. He is discerning your thoughts and your motives. He is calling out a better life for you. He is calling you back to purpose as Pastor Ty alluded to in Christmas Eve. He is calling you to a purpose. He is reminding you of the purpose. Every time you read the word of God, you need to see God insert this double-edged sword, this very sharp double-edged sword into the depths of your heart and calling you to life and helping you to make better decisions. No one does it like he does it. Nobody does it like he does it. I'll tell you what, this sword in his hand, nobody does it like him. Nobody knows you like he knows you. No one understands you like he understands you. No one wants better for you like he wants better for you. No one sees your pain like he sees your pain. No one knows your story like he knows your story. Nobody. This sword goes into the most intimate places of our life revealing the secrets of our hearts before God. 
The verse finishes with saying, it exposes, the word of God exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Brings it to the surface because you and I both know there is absolutely nothing you can hide from him. There's not a deep enough place in your heart that God can't get to. He's the one that turns us inside out. I think the question really is, where are you with this? Where are you with this? Is this the experience you have with the creator of the world, the creator of your life, the one who breathed life into your lungs for the very first time and continues to breathe life into your lungs? Is this the kind of relationship you have with him? Jesus, the master surgeon, what is in you that needs to be cut away? What what are the things within your life, within your heart, within your motives, within your mentality that you would say, master surgeon, I need you to begin to do a work in me and cut away the attitudes, cut away the negativity. I need you to work on the doubt. I need you to work on the lack of faith. I need you to work on the sin desire, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. I need you to begin to do a work in me. Where are you with This. This is what he desires to do with you. He desires so much to work in you. As you pursue him, he pursues you. This is the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. I wonder who's here today who say, there's some habits I need him to cut away. There are some addictions that I need him to cut away. There's some secrets that I need him to cut away. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm dead. Physically, I'm living, but spiritually, I'm dead. And I need him to speak life into me again. Maybe you're here and you're filled with bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, riddled with pain, confusion. Or maybe you're here today and you say, I'm hungry for more. I just want more of God. I want his purpose in my life. I want to live the life he intended me to live. Maybe you're here today and you say, I want God to work in me. I'm ready to lay at his table and allow him to begin to work in me so that I can experience all that he has for me. Those of you who attend our church know that we finish every service with a big, so what? Like, 
What's the takeaway from today? Besides seeing this sword in your mind every day. What's the takeaway? What do we take home today? What is it that we hide in our heart? It is this. God's word alive in us transforms us. Here's what I like about the word transforms. I think that when you say change, you always have an option to return. But when you say transform, there is no return. It's like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Never again can he return to being a caterpillar. And God continues to work on us. Reverting back to who we were is no longer an option. I've been transformed by the power of God. I've been transformed by the power of God. And this is not just a one and done. My friends, this happens every time we read the word of God. He transforms us. So our big now what? I know you're anxious for this. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You ready for this? We're going to read our Bible in 2022. We're going to read our Bible. We're going to make a commitment today to read our Bible more than we did in 2021. And we're not going to read to compare how much we read because it's not about how much. It ain't quantity. It's quality, right? It's not gaining knowledge. It's the application of the knowledge. So when you go to our website, on the very front page, you're going to see a link that says Reading Plan 2022. You can do this on your cell phone. You can do it from your computer, wherever you are. You click on that link, and we have picked a year's worth of reading plans for you. Now listen, you don't have to just do this. You can go and dive deep into God's Word. Find a plan that challenges you based on where you are in your life. But the goal is that you're reading the Bible. I want to get to this service next year and be able to say, you know what? We did it. We will not be the same. You know that we will not be the same. If we read the Bible consistently, we will not be the same people. We will not be the same church. God will transform us. We will look back and say to ourselves, I cannot believe I used to think like that. I can't believe I used to look like that. I can't believe I used to talk like that. God's word has transformed me. We'll look back at our church and say, can you believe what God has done through a group of ordinary people? God's word transforms us. I wonder how many are here today who would say, I want to be transformed by the word of God this year. If you're here today, would you stand to your feet? If you say, I want God's word to transform me in 2022, whatever it is God has for you, just stand to your feet right there where you're at. I want God's word to transform me in 2022. I want God's word to transform me. Let's do this. Let's read the word. Let's read the word. Let's allow God to work in our hearts. That plan is available to help those who need help reading the Bible. 
But my friends, we have resources. We have these capabilities that are just in that are just incredible, incredible opportunities to learn the word of God. But we need to do it. It needs to become a high priority in our life. It needs to become a high priority in our life. And you're standing because you acknowledge exactly that. 2022, it's a high priority in my life. In 2022, reading God's word is a high priority in my life. 